what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners with insights from distinguished business leaders and subject matter experts. Our conversations are designed to elevate your thinking and entice you to take a conscious and inspirational approach toward leadership and business. Before we get into the program, I have two things to share with you, two pieces of, of announcements. One, September marks the launch of Gusto Now, which is a growth and transformation e-learning platform dedicated to awakening meaning, passion, inspiration, and purpose in people, leadership, and organizations. It features leadership development and other professional development courses available to individuals and companies, and we do it in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. You can learn more about these courses at gusto-now.com. Secondly, I have to share with you, my book is finally coming out November 17th. It's on Amazon now. It's called Purpose Ignited, How Inspirational Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause. You can pre-order it there. And I really wrote it to turn readers on and ignite their passion, inspiration, and purpose to make a contribution worthy of their one precious life and create leaders who will radically improve the workplace as we know it. Okay, now for the program. This week, we have with us Robert Bruss, who is the founder of Go All In, the mission of which is to create a movement of people who only know how to go all in. He also hosts his own podcast called Go All In, where he's conducted hundreds of interviews to learn how people tell their stories of doing whatever it takes to break through and succeed in every aspect of life. We'll be talking about his 10 plus years of experience in the Australian Navy and Army and his 15 years of entrepreneurship and how that transformed into who he is today, as well as learn about some of the key elements he teaches in his Elite Mastermind course. He joins us today from Australia. By the way, listeners and viewers, this is your lucky day. Rob is offering a 30% discount to his course for Working on Purpose listeners. Use the code WOP for Working on Purpose when you sign up. Thanks for that, Rob, and welcome to Working on Purpose. Hi, Elise. It's great to be here. Thank you for that kind introduction. Absolutely. It's so fun, right? We met thanks to good old social media. I'm so grateful for that. I love when I get to meet people from around the world and they share their, their thoughts and their, their convictions with us. And I, it's like being part of one small little com- connected planet. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, fellow podcasters and radio hosts are all cut from the same cloth. So it's uh, really fun. It makes it really easy to communicate as well. Doesn't it, though? Doesn't it, though? Well, so for this first segment, Rob, what I want to do for our listeners is I want them to better understand, as I have come to better understand, a little bit about who you are and how you built yourself into what you become today, because that gives us a base to understand your offerings. So first, I I, got to understand a little bit about the fact that you spent 10 years in the Australian military. And of course, we know 15 years as an entrepreneur. So I want to first understand, because I've never done anything in the military, how did your experience in the military alter you or what did it do for you? Oh, my God. Uh, when it, ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be in the army. And I was I grew up in uh, just in suburban Sydney in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the end of the street, there was uh, there was some 
good old Aussie bush. Uh, and my mates and I would always run around and play armies and throw rocks at each other and do what little boys do at the end of the street in, in the bush. And I don't think it's really any different for any other Western culture in the world for kids growing up. And even kids today do the same things, even with all the screens and all of the differences that they have, it still happens today. Um, so when I when I was old enough, I kind of, I left school and uh, I walked into the recruiting office and I asked them, I said, hey, I want to I want to be in the army. And the Navy guy behind the desk said, no, nah, man, you don't want to be in the army. You want to be in the Navy. Come and watch this video. He sat me down, watched the video. I thought that was like pretty cool. And six weeks later, I was in the Navy at recruit school wondering where all the guns were. And <laughs> so uh, in, in hindsight, I look back at it and that guy pegged me perfectly because that's what his job was in recruiting and I think I would have really struggled in the army going straight from school being a 17 year old kid um, the army was very different to the navy it was a lot harder it was physically different it was mentally different it required a different mindset and I definitely definitely didn't have the maturity to actually handle that because by the time I left the navy and actually got into the army I actually found it a bit difficult it was mm. like okay, that's, that was hard. And looking back, you know, I was a bit disappointed that I ended up in the Navy, how that happened. It sort of, you know, that happened so quickly, my head, my head was spinning, right? And, um, but the thing is, I, I, I traveled the world, had an incredible job, which I absolutely love doing combat system. Um, and I went everywhere the Australian Navy goes in five years. That's actually why I got out. And there was nowhere else to go. And I'd finished my posting on board a couple of ships that I'd been on and it was time to go ashore, go get promoted. Then you come back and do it all again. And I was like, well, do what again? I've been, I've been on operations. I've been on all the exercises. I've been to all the places. I think I went to like 35 different foreign ports or 40 ports or something like that in just a short space of time. So it's an incredible amount of travel and had a pocket full of money. I was with my mates all the time and it was just an absolute blast. It was a, it was a party. Um, you know, in, in direct answer to your question, you know, how did it change me? Well, it taught me how to party when I was a young man. How <laughs> to party? To go all in on the party front. Okay, good. Yeah, it is absolutely true what they say about sailors. And I worked a lot with the American Navy as well. And the American Navy is exactly the same as the Australian Navy. <laughs> okay. Work a bit harder than we do. I have to say, um, the conditions and the pay isn't as good as what the Australian Navy is. But the the traits of sailors are the same the world over. Whether it's the British Navy, the Royal Navy the US Navy or the Australian Navy, which is kind of fun. But uh, once, I'd, once I'd left the Navy and I was in the army, I had a uh, an incredible time there because it was in some ways, and maybe your listeners probably kind of won't like the idea of this, but this is why I joined, right? You join up to go to war. I, I joined the army, I went to recruit school, I went to the School of Infantry, and the day that I joined my battalion, they were packing their bags to go to East Timor. And East Timor ended up being the biggest combat operation the Australian military had been involved in since the Vietnam War. And I was like, like being conscripted. That's what it was. That it was. Uh, you know, because you join recruit school, school of infantry, straight to a battalion, straight overseas on combat operations. And uh, I got to do that. And in some ways, that was a blessing and a curse, because by the time I'd come back from that, it was like, well, what is what else is there now to do in the Australian Army? I've been. And this was before we were involved in Iraq or Afghanistan or anything like that. And it was pre 9-11 as well. So it's a pretty interesting time in the Australian Defence Force to be there. And when we got back, they said to me, right, because we were not really budgeted to do anything like that, like we, we'd just done, the Australian government said there's no exercises, there's no 
anything happening or you're not going anywhere. So what we recommend you do is either uh, put your hand up for a bunch of different courses or go ahead and try out for special forces. And I was at the point in my infantry career where I wasn't quite ready to do special forces. I barely you know, could walk and talk infantry, never mind going for more elite type stuff. And there's plenty of people that did that and, and can certainly do that, but it just didn't feel right for me. So I put my hand up and went to, uh, to the parachute school and I got all my military freefall qualifications. Um, and that was just an incredible job because there's a, a huge amount of responsibility associated with that. And you turn up to work in the morning, you look at the boss and say, hey, mate, what are we doing today? Well, what do you think we're doing? You're at the parachute school. Go get a parachute and we go on skydiving all day. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, it, it was pretty cool. And I did that for a couple of years. And I, I at the school there, just a member of the staff. And I, the great thing about what I did was I never really had any responsibility because I wasn't an instructor there. But what I would do is I would support the instructors. So when they were learning, when when courses came through and instructors were learning how to be instructors, you would go and be the students for them. Sometimes it'd be people coming through learning how to be tandem instructors and you'd be the tandem person. You'd jump out of the plane and put in mistakes for them and they'd have to fix the mistakes for you. Mm-hmm. So I think I've got about 40 or 50 tandem jumps under my belt, something like that. Um, sometimes that was a bit scary because uh, you're completely out of control and you're strapped to another person. And, you know, you think of skydiving as going for a tandem and having fun on the weekend with your, with your mates and doing that. But after you do it over and over again and you're not in control, that it starts to get a little bit scary. Um, but then you, you get some great qualifications as well in the process. But unfortunately, those qualifications don't transfer into anything in the civilian world. So it took me a little while to transition. Like most people leaving the military, maybe I left a little bit earlier than I should have. It took me about four or five years to properly transition and to find myself. And I was a young man as well. You know, I was 20, 29, 28, 29 years old by the time I got out. Um, and I never, I didn't really know who I was as a person. And the military had shaped me. I'd grown up in the military and I really had to find myself. And it did, it took a while. It took a while to not turn up five minutes before everything, to be perfectly dressed, perfectly shaven, wearing all the right clothes and doing all the right things. And people would would look at that and think, man, it's just like lower your intensity levels a little bit, Rob. Lower them them down. Uh, but that's what had helped me to be successful in the military. And, and ultimately, that's what helped me to be successful as an entrepreneur as well. You know, what I think is what I appreciate about what you just finished with was this notion of how hard it was to go back into the civilian world. I have had a few people on my show who talk about helping vets transition because it is such a totally different space. And I think a lot of us who have never served have no idea what you went through. So I all the more applaud what you have created with your platform and your podcast and what you're doing in your course to be able to summon what you got from those experiences. I think it's phenomenal. And I did hear you say in the introductory piece of, of your course that um, you've you've had quite a few businesses over the years some you said were um dogs and some were like incredibly successful so just really quick high level a few things that you learned over these 15 years of being an entrepreneur the the number one thing that i've i've taken away from it is is money is something that you think is a motivating factor but i discovered and the number one thing that i took away from it i discovered that I actually feel the same whether I've got no money in the bank account. And there's been more times than I would care to remember that that's actually been the case. Because uh, <laughs> you risk everything, right? Mm-hmm. And you keep going until you until you break through. But I, but I really do feel the same whether there's no money in the bank account or there's lots of money in the bank account. And what I mean by that is my attitude and my approach to my business and what it is that I'm doing doesn't change. 
if it's really super successful, then I keep going and I double down on what it is that I'm doing. And if it's not working for whatever reason, then I double down and keep going and keep doing what I'm doing. So I, I learned early on that money was actually something that was driving me, but I realized it wasn't motivating me. Mm. So it's a difference there because you have to eat, you got to pay your rent, you got to feed your children and you know, you got to buy clothes and just live. So, you know, it's something that's driving you, but I'm, I was not motivated by it. And over the years, the biggest thing that I've learned from all of the failures that I've had and all of the things that have gone right at the same time is the thing that I value the most is human connection. Mm-hmm. I love people. I love, I love seeing people succeed. I love delivering products and services in the way that I say that I'm going to deliver. And I love seeing other people succeed. There's nothing that gives me more joy or satisfaction in my life than seeing somebody break through and get on the other side and just win that's like a a tony robbins fist pumping moment for me i love that (laughs) absolutely and you know one of the things i love speaking of what you just said about the meaningful connection you say in your bio that you 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 are prone to be found having a four-hour deep in rich conversation over a cup of coffee. I love that. I'm, that's totally my jam too. So part of why I wanted to have you on the show is you really, to me, represent, I want to say bigger than life, but a, a literal, a walking human billboard for possibility and going for it. And I'm always, my. that's why I talk about this one precious life. This is all we get. Let's go yep. for it. So what do you think? Uh, what are You've created something phenomenal in your Go All In platform. How do you think your military and entrepreneur experiences have contributed to that offering? Well, it's about potential. And when I created the Go All In brand, I was, it's really, it took me probably about 30 or 40 podcasts to really articulate what that actually meant. Because it's a bit of an abstract concept. And I knew in my mind's eye exactly what it was and exactly what that meant. But the reality is it was pretty hard to articulate out loud what it meant. And the way that I kind of arrived there, and and these are all the things that I took from being an entrepreneur and being in the military and I put it together. And going all in on something is part of the human experience. We all know what it feels like to commit to something. We all we all also know what it feels like to overcommit to something, to publicly do that, and then to retract, and then to go back into your little, over into your little cave, a little bit embarrassed where I committed to something, it didn't work out, I don't want anyone to know about it. It's part of the human experience. And what I recognized in doing that and understanding all of that constantly in my life, it's about potential is, mm. If you ask yourself, are you really living up to your potential or are you just operating at about 10% of your max? And when I ask myself that, I realize that I only operate at about 15 to 20% of my max on any one day because Mm -hmm. the vast majority of what I do on a daily basis is automated. I operate, I wake up, I go to the gym, I do exercising, I eat some breakfast, sit down, I answer my email, I don't have to think very hard about what it is that I do. And what I ask myself often, and I ask myself a couple of times a day is, are you working on things that are closing the gap from where you are to where you want to be? And if you're not, it means you're not really living up to your potential. You're operating on autopilot, and maybe those autopilot tasks should be handed off to somebody else. So then you can find that potential that you have. And everybody has that creative genius inside them, whether that's in business, in art, in music, in acting, in some form, everybody has that creative genius. And you never really get to discover that creative genius unless you decide to go all in and, and unless you decide to free yourself of the, 
the minutia and the automated tasks that you should hand off to somebody else. That's kind of the culmination of everything that I've learned as an entrepreneur and in, in the military as well. That's beautiful, Rob. I love it. I'm so aligned with you on that. I'm so glad you're doing this work in the world. It needs, we need it. So let's grab our first break. On that note, I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Rob Bruss, who was the founder of Go All In, the mission of which is to create a movement of people who only know how to go all in. He joins us today from Australia. We've been talking a bit about his background and how, how it informed what he's created. After the break, we're going to get into some of the key topics that he teaches in his courses. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Rob Russ. He's the founder of Go All In, the mission of which is to create a movement of people who only know how to go all in. He also hosts his own podcast called Go All In, where he's conducted hundreds of interviews to learn how people tell their stories of doing whatever it takes to break through and succeed in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before we get into the, the program piece of this, Rob, I think it would be great for us to be able to just quickly go to your podcast because you're doing something in your podcast that I'm doing on mine, and that is I I am harvesting your knowledge and experience to fold into my being and make me a better human being and a better consultant. So it seems like you're doing something similar. Um, so, and I love the intensity of your show, right? So you you have stories of, I love how you, you say, these are stories of unadulterated failures and euphoric successes. Um, and so that intensity and the vulnerability of your platform is really compelling to me. Can you maybe just share a story or some snippet of one that you had recently that really stuck for you yeah absolutely and and thanks for the opportunity to do that um uh, the, the one the one that i've got i think will um will just blow you away and it's about potential it's about the topic we were talking about before the before the break so uh this fellow his name is jason reardon and he's a fellow infantry guy like me he's, he's an ex-soldier in fact he's an ex-special forces soldier here in, in the australian defense force he was a commando uh, and he got out of the military a while ago as well and one of the things that jace had always been into was running and as an infantry guy you're always running that's just <laughs> part of what you do and in some ways, what you do for a living verges on being a professional athlete because everything you do is centered around your ability to do things physically. It's a very physical job. Uh, and Jace discovered that he was really good at running marathons. And it turns out he was really good at running ultra marathons. And in fact, he was so good at running marathons and ultra marathons that he won the very first, the inaugural Red Bull La Ultra. And the Red Bull La Ultra Marathon which takes place over five days in the Himalayas, up to 17,000 feet, and it's 555 kilometres of running. And Jason won that race. And wow. it's a, a feat of human endurance that 
you would just it's it's hard to describe what it is that he did because he can barely describe it himself because he's one of those really quiet australians uh and it's like come on man you've got to tell us this story tell us get this experience and share this experience with us and i really had to build a lot of rapport with jace before i did the podcast with him to get to know him a little bit because he's such a humble guy and he's like oh yeah i, I want it yeah yeah i ran a long <laughs> way yeah whatever <laughs> But when you hear the like the nitty gritty of what it is that he went through, and you know, you're not supposed to run at seventeen thousand feet because the partial pressure of oxygen up up there is just not the same as what it is down here at ground level. It, when you take a breath up there, because the the atmosphere is thinner, it's like it's like taking half a breath down here at sea level. And he was running at altitude. He was falling behind the clock. He had to run down some of these hills down from 17,000 down to 5,000 feet. They have these crazy hallucinations in the middle of the night because they've been running for days mm. at a time. And he said mm. the, the white lines on the road, the central dividers look like cobras coming up to try and attack him at nighttime. And he's running and dodging these cobras and the support crew behind him are like, what are you doing? And he's like, there's snakes all over the road. What the hell? <laughs> and, and, and as he as he's coming uh, up to the end of it, the the really cool part of the story is is what he did to win, and how he actually won. And uh, they came to the last checkpoint, and he was in second place. And the guy in front of him was quite a quite a way in front of him. And they stop and they sleep and they eat along the way, of course. And as he came in there, one of his support crews said, "Hey, the fella that's in front of you, he's eaten and he's now asleep." And Jace kind of went, "Well." I'm not eating, I'm not stopping, and I'm not sleeping. And he kept running and he ran he he ran past and he ended up putting twenty kilometers between him and the other guy. By the time the other guy realized what was going on, he was twenty kilometers ahead. And then Jace felt like that he was being chased down for the last day of the race, the last I think it was last seventy or eighty kilometers or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But he felt like he was being chased. So he kind of had that second win, if you like if you could have a second win after all those kilometers and he made it to the end and he won the race. And um, it, it's that story is, is a reminder of what you can do when you put your mind to something, because it wasn't the physical thing that got him across the line. Sure. That was, that's a big part of it. That's 85 to 90% of it. But the other part of it, the hundred percent of it is your mind. You can't, you can't do something like that unless you're in the right headspace. And I remember asking him, you know, did you think that you would ever be able to do something like that? And he said, no, I was at the 222 kilometer mark and that's the furthest that I'd ever run. And I was like, well, you have to do that again. How did you do that? And he was like, well, I just kept going. I just, I just pressed on. And it's a, it's a great story because it's a story about the potential of a human being and somebody never really thought that they could do something like that. And he never really, went out there to win it he just went out there to do it and he won it and it, it was like oh my gosh incredible story incredible story i love that rob on a number of levels but first and foremost because i do traffic in energy and inspiration i i know how important it is for us to be inspired for us to keep our our, our hearts and minds healthy and and fed with stories of inspiration that show us what we can do in life what we can be so i love the idea that you're really I guess you're trafficking in potential. That's what you're really doing. And and the first module of your course is about mindset. And I want I wanted you to distinguish that if you would, because you say something pretty compelling on your website about that. And when you distinguish between average and an elite mindset, will you do that for our listeners and viewers today? 
Yeah, absolutely. People ask me all the time. This is kind of where it came from. Is how, how do you how do you do what it is that you do? How do you how do you make all of this happen? And the reality is, you just need a plan. But everyone's got a plan. Plenty of people got a plan. They execute on their plan. It still fails, and they don't get to where it is that they need to be. They don't hit up against their targets. And if you're not hitting up against your target, even if you've got a plan and you've got goals and you've got all of those things, the chances are is that you haven't got your mindset right. You just haven't got your head right. You need, you need to work on your headspace. And so I came up with a kind of a list of things and it puts down one side of the page on the left side of the page is the way average people think about things. And if you're missing your goals, it's maybe because you're thinking some of these ways. And the people that hit their targets and meet the goals and meet the expectations and live up to their potential, they have an elite mindset. So an example is someone with an average mindset typically feels sorry for themselves. When things are going against them, they're like, oh, woe is me, poor me, why can't everything work? Why is, I'm trying so hard, it's not happening. People with an elite mindset on the other side of that coin are so focused on others that they don't have time to feel sorry for themselves. So that's one example. Another example is someone with an average mindset makes an excuse when things are not going their way, but someone with an elite mindset just makes it happen. They, they go over, under, around, break through whatever obstacles are placed in front of them and they keep forging forward. People with an average mindset, they typically wear their emotions on their sleeves, but people with an elite mindset, what they do is they never show weakness outwardly. And there's nothing wrong with being weak and being a little bit vulnerable, but they don't show it outwardly. And what they do is they have big, strong body language. You never see a footballer go out onto the pitch first on the on game day and be like, oh, I'm scared, I'm going to get smashed They're going out there, they've got their pads on, they've got their helmets on, they've got their, they're ready to go, they've got big, strong body language and, they're, and they're, they're ready to get after it, they're ready to go for it, they're ready to make it happen. They're not wearing their emotions on their sleeve. So, so I think it's just really important I give that some context there for it as well. So when, when it comes time to uh, play the game on game day, you need to bring your A game and leave your emotions aside and concentrate on your training and, and move forward. So there's a bunch of things in and around average versus elite mindset. And and I know that people that are listening to this and watching this, they would they would have some things where they go, okay, if I'm not feeling so good about something, am I feeling sorry for myself? Or should I just pick myself up, dust it off, pick it up and just keep moving forward and going forward? And I think intuitively we know the difference between average and elite. Mm -hmm. I think so too, but it's good to have it distinguished. Um, that Now, another thing that you do that I think is really compelling because as I say, I traffic in energy and a lot of energy for me is motivation. And you talk about, there's you distinguish the truth about motivation in your program. So can, can, give us a snippet of that. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a really important topic. And I want to clear something up for the people that are listening because they might be going, well, it's easy for you, Rob. You were in the military for 10 years. See, you're just one of those motivated military guys. But the reality is, if you talk to anybody that's been in the military, some of the people in the military are the most unmotivated, undisciplined people that you've ever encountered in your entire life. And there's mm. far more motivated and disciplined people in business and the corporate world than there is in the military. This is the fact. The military rules with a carrot and a stick. Mm -hmm. They're like, you need to be here at this time, in this uniform, in that hat, or else. <laughs> so you can't live your life in a place of or else. What you need to do is you need to find the motivation and the discipline within yourself. And it's motivation that gets you started. 
and it's discipline that will keep you going. But if you're not focused on your goals and you don't have a plan, all the discipline in the world is not going to help you to achieve what it is that you need. Because as soon as the going gets a little bit tough, you'll let yourself off the hook. When you make a declaration to the world that you're going to go all in, that feels really good, then you start and the minute, it's, minute it gets a little bit hard, you're like, all right, I've just got to push through this bit. I knew it was going to be hard. You're pushing and pushing. And then tomorrow it gets harder and it gets harder again. Discipline's not going to keep you going there. What you need is you need a dedicated plan. You need the right time management. You need to know what to focus on. You need routines and habits of success. If you don't have the combination of those things, all the discipline in the world is not going to keep you moving forward. But in times of in times of short, intense periods, and we all have those throughout our day, where distraction might creep in, you need to know that I've got the discipline to not allow that distraction to creep into my day, and I can use my discipline right now to keep moving forward and keep me closing the gap from where I am to where I wanna be. If you don't use your discipline at the right times, then you'll let yourself off the hook and it's like, ah, it's all right, I'll just eat that chocolate biscuit. It's not such a big idea, a big deal. You know, what's what's the big idea of, you know, stopping myself having something pleasurable in the day anyway? But it's the discipline that will stop you from eating that chocolate biscuit and stop you from being naughty. And we're all naughty throughout the day. And that's where discipline really comes in. But discipline is not going to help you hit, hit your targets or achieve your goals. You need a plan to do that. Hmm. I wonder if that's what you mean then, Rob, because you, you say, I was very fascinated in, by your stance, that a focus on our goals can actually be a form of self-sabotage. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. What does that mean? That's fascinating. Yeah, I've worked with, uh, with lots and lots of clients over the years in and around this particular topic. And part of it is, what I, I, I'm not a really big fan of the word goal. I prefer high-definition destination. And I'll, and I'll, borrow, I'll borrow that <laughs> so from... Wait, say it again. That's so much better. High-definition destination. Right. And I'm borrowing that from uh, from an American company called Afterburner. So these guys are a bunch of ex-fighter pilots, and they use a, a methodology called flawless execution. And flawless execution is the way fighter pilots actually go out and fly their jets, right, and, and get things done. And they have a 98% mission success rate when they use this model. So fighter pilots, just imagine, they don't rock up to work and we say, hey, hey, Elise, where are we going in our $100 million jet today? And you go, I don't know, let's just go over there and drop a bomb over there. No, there's a detailed planning, briefing and executing and a debriefing process that they go through. And that's the methodology that they use, which is called flawless execution. And what they do is they set the high definition destination. That's the goal. That's the target. And mm. you can use this same methodology in your life. What is your high definition destination? All right, I know exactly what it is. Now I need to create a plan, need to brief the plan, need to go and execute it. Between the execution and completion, I need to X gap to understand where I am in relation to where I said I was going to be. And then on completion, I need to debrief myself to make sure I've got the lessons learned. I know exactly how I achieved that. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What can I change? What what do I need to do? So if you spend too much time looking at your goals and looking at that high definition destination, then what you'll do is forget about how how it is that you're going to get there. That's why using a methodology like flawless execution is a great way to stop you focusing on the goal. You set the goal, you set the target, and then you spend 95% of your time working towards that target. And every now and then you look up and out at what it is that you're doing and where you're going. But the vast majority of the time when you're trying to achieve the goal, you're looking down and in. 
And I love I love the idea of that because what that does is it allows you to eat that elephant one bite at a time because usually the goals that we set for ourselves are quite big. So if you can just focus on the day-to-day activities and not look up at that giant goal that you've got too often, you won't be distracted by, oh my God, that's such a big goal. How am I going to get there? How is that going to happen for me? What you're doing is you're focusing on one foot in front of the other and moving yourself closer to that target at every moment of every day. Mm, I like it. And I'm totally, I wrote that down. High definition, destination. I love it. That's, I'm totally changing my language. Thanks for that, Rob. <laughs> Let's grab our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Rob Russ. He's the founder of Go All In, the mission of which is to create a movement of people who only know how to go all in. He joins us today from Australia. After the break, we're going to hear a bit more about his program. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Rob Russ. He's the founder of Go All In, the mission of which is to create a movement of people who only know how to go all in. He also hosts his own podcast called Go All In, and he's conducted hundreds of interviews to learn how people tell their stories of doing whatever it takes to break through and succeed in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Dr. Luis Cortez. So a few more questions about the program, then I have some other questions about what, what you're up to in all this work here. I want to talk about time management and accountability because I'm always amazed at the difference in what really extraordinary people get done in 24 hours and what I get done. So what can you tell us about that? <laughs> First of all, you need to know what you're spending your time on. And mm. I think it's a little bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a, an abstract concept to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't know what I spend my time on. I wake up in the morning and I just do my thing. But how much time are you actually spending on the activities that are going to move you closer to your actual goals? And, and I really believe that when somebody says to me, oh, Rob, I need a hand with my goals. I need a hand with my targets. Can you, can you help me to do this? The very first thing that comes out of my mouth uh, used to be, yeah, sure, I can help you. But now what I say is, what is it that you're doing today that's moving you closer to those targets? oh, well, you know, I kind of haven't got there because of A, B or C, and all the excuses will come out. And it's funny how quickly the excuses come out. The next thing that I ask somebody is to show me their calendar. Give us a look at your calendar. Show me your phone. Show me whatever calendar app that you use. And let's have a look if you've got half hour or 15-minute blocks blocked out on your calendar. And is it blocked out from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed? including your downtime, your eating time, your family time, all of those things need to be blocked out in your calendar. If you're not in control of your time, time is in control of you. And there, there is no hack. The hack is 
get your calendar out and allocate the time that you think you need to the activities that you know that you should be doing. If social media is a problem from you, take Facebook and Instagram off your phone. Just leave them on your computer. And if you need a little break through the day, go and just look at your computer for five minutes. Use that as your break. But don't be distracted by your phone. You know, statistically, and you would know this, Elise, from working with with clients, statistically, we touch our phones 168 times an hour. It's oh, a massive, wow. massive. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so think about it. If somebody sends you a text message and you pick out a, a response to that, you know, you're, you're typing, that's you touching your phone 100 times with those characters, right? But then you open Facebook or Instagram or you're looking at something on YouTube or TikTok or something like that and you're scrolling like a, uh, just like a mindless zombie, that's a massive distraction to you. And it takes you scientifically science says that it takes you about 20 minutes to get into the groove of something so once you're starting to focus your attention on things but then the alerts on your phone go off or your email goes off or the phone rings or somebody comes over and invades your cubicle there's a bunch of things that happen that stop you from moving forward and all of these things go to the very heart of time management and if you get control of all of these things then you'll be in control of time and that's how you're able to achieve more and I always ask myself the question when I'm about to start an activity, is this activity related to making money? Is this activity related to moving me closer to the goal that I've set for myself? And if it is, I do it. If it's not, I sit back for a second and say, well, should I be handing this off to a member of my team or should I be giving this to somebody else? Or should I be finding somebody that can do this task for me? And I, I work really methodically like that. And I, I block out my calendar in uh, half hour blocks. I find that that works for me, but I do that on a Sunday evening. My week starts at Sunday evening at eight o'clock. I'm really, I'm, I'm ultra, ultra, ultra militant about doing that because I want the first half of my week. And sometimes it's impossible to do, right? Because I don't know what's gonna happen on Thursday or Friday on Sunday night at eight o'clock. So what I do is I just do Monday, Tuesday and half of Wednesday. And I leave myself the flexibility to go, okay, the back half of the week is going to look like this. And I give myself that opportunity. What you've got to do is you've got to find what works for you. But once you get control of time and once you get control of your calendar, and it's such an unbelievably simple thing to do, you'll find that things start to fall into place for you pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, I I have fallen off so uh, of, the, of calendaring my, my time, and I do I do do it um, a, a little bit more haphazardly on my on my paper calendar. But I, there was a time when I did exactly what you're saying, and I did get better results. So already I'm learning from you and and being contributed to by you. So thank you, Rob. You're um, and speaking of that, there's two other things I definitely want to make sure and ask you before we run out of time, and it goes so fast. Um, you talk about habits and routines, and that's part of what you were just talking about there, but can you say a little bit more about why they're important and how we can steward them? Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's, a, it's a really great point because it ties into time management. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people out there into NLP and they look at the patterns of behavior and how do I speak and what's his body language? Is it, you know, is he somebody who learns orally or is he a visual person? All of those things there go to the very heart of habits and, and the way that you actually behave. And you need to develop habits and routines of success. There's a really famous uh, American ex-Navy SEAL, his name's Jocko Willink, you might've heard of Jocko. And uh, so Jocko is an ex-SEAL commander from the Battle of Ramadi in 2006, 2007. And he's really popular as this great podcast about um, war stories and all sorts of great interviews and things like that. And he takes a photo of his watch 
at four o'clock in the morning and anywhere between four and no really no later than about 4 30 in the morning and every morning he takes a photo of his watch he's like time to get up time to get after it and that's his routine and and people ask him all the time dude you, you've got to stay in bed longer aren't you tired and he's like well i go to bed a bit earlier so i get up earlier it's all right and i do my workout on the front half of my day because my day gets so busy that I had these intentions to go and do some exercise in the middle or the end of the day, but I just never get there. And by the time I get there, I'm too tired to do it. So the first thing that I do in the morning is I get out of bed, I have a drink of water and I get started and I do my workout and I make that happen. That one, I'm sure that I, I arrive there and it happens for me. Routines and habits of success like that are the very foundational pieces of you moving forward and closing the gap from where you are to where you wanna be. And I think it's really hard to articulate why we don't do it and why people don't have these routines and they're kind of all over the place. Why don't you do that thing? Why don't you get up and exercise? Why don't you do that? Oh, I don't know, I just couldn't be bothered with it. No. But actually, every single person on the planet has a routine. Every single person on the planet has different habits. Whether those habits are serving you or not is really up to you. And question. I, I think we can all work better to develop better habits and to develop better routines that are more serving of us rather than something that's actually holding us back and distracting us from what it is that we set for ourselves. And it's difficult to do. And the reason it's difficult to do is because as human beings, we want to move towards things that are more pleasurable and away from that are, mm. that are not so fun and pulling on a kettlebell at 4 30 in the morning doesn't sound like much fun to me being wrapped up under the dune and snuggling up to my missus sounds like way more fun than being <laughs> a kettlebell in the garage at 4 30 in the morning like jocko and it takes all the effort and discipline in the world to develop a routine like that and you just need to be deliberate about it but once you're deliberate about it and it comes back to the very heart of your time management if you allocate the time to do those things for yourself you start to achieve more in a much shorter time frame Mm, good stuff. Really good stuff. Well, I'm also very intrigued. You talk about this little known rule of subtension. What the heck is that? Yeah. So the rule of subtension is a, uh, it's a, I guess it's an infantry thing, but it's also an aviator thing as well. So the rule of subtension that I learned when I was uh, an infantry soldier is that one millimeter at a thousand meters equals one meter. So what it means is you need to aim straight. Don't even be one millimeter off what you're aiming at. And whether you're firing an assault rifle, a machine gun, a sniper rifle, or you're setting a goal for yourself in your life, don't be one millimeter off. The effective range of the assault rifles that I used in my time back in the day was 300 meters. So these the bad guys are pretty close to you at 300 meters. If you're engaging a target there, it's like, you can see these people, they're close. You can see them and your you rifle stops being effective at around 400 meters. You have to start to aim up and you're kind of lofting around at somebody and it just doesn't work the same way. But if you're one millimeter off where you're aiming at 300 meters, which is the effective range of the assault rifle, you'll miss the target by 30 centimeters. And get taught as an infantry soldier to aim at the center of the scene mass. So if you're aiming at the center of the, the target or the center of a human being, if that's the, what you're aiming at, because that's what the target is, and you're 30 centimeters off, it means you will miss, because 30 centimeters is about a foot in imperial terms, in uh, in American terms, if you like, 
And if you're a foot off the target, that round will go down the left or the right side of what it is that you're aiming at. So the rule of subtension is one millimeter at a thousand meters, or a thousand meters equals one meter. It subtends to that as well. And the analogy that I use is that if you're not aiming straight at your target, you will miss. So before you get started, before you do anything, get down, lie down on your guts, get into the right firing position, get ready to go and aim at exactly what it is that you want to hit, whether that's a target on the range, a bad guy in the battlefield, or a goal that you've got for yourself in your personal life or your business life. You've got to aim straight and aim true at all times under and don't deviate from that under any circumstances. Don't give yourself a break. Be as disciplined as you can. That's the target I want. Never, ever change your target. Never, ever lower your expectations because things get too hard. Just aim straight and keep pushing forward. Mm. So what I hear from that, um, and I'm going to just say it for our listeners and our viewers, is we're going to channel our inner Rob whenever we're up to something, right? So <laughs> this is what's going to happen. We're, you're going to hear a voice in, the, in your head that's going to be, this is my inner Rob. I'm going for it. Uh, okay. Um, and again, I want to remind uh, remind you, and thank you again, um, Rob, uh, listeners and viewers, that uh, Rob is giving you a 30% discount if you decide to take his course. And the way you get that is when you go to checkout, you put, you put in WOP for the discount code for working on purpose. So thank you again for, for that, Rob. You're getting a taste of what it is that he does for people. Okay, so we're almost out of time already. And now I, I want to get to the big why here. So you've created a, a go all in movement. This is important to you. This is your this is your life's work. It is. Why is this so important to you? Why why is it so important? And how do you why do you think it's so important to be doing this work in the world today? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question that's not asked by enough podcasters or radio hosts. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm so glad that you asked that question because it gives me the opportunity and it reminds me as well why I do it. And for me, it's pretty simple. It's just about human connection. And I love mm. to celebrate other people's success because I know personally what it feels like to win. And mm. success doesn't always mean money. It's not, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about a financial win. I'm talking about setting a target for yourself and seeing that in high definition and understanding what you need to do to get there because nobody can do anything by themselves in this world and the analogy that i use all the time is life and business especially business is a lot like being a paratrooper mm. well, how is that how, how could that be true well as a paratrooper no paratrooper has ever jumped out of an airplane by themselves mm. And you don't jump out of a plane by yourself either. When you do something in the military, you're always with other people. It takes a team of people, a team of dedicated professionals and highly trained and highly skilled people to get you to the door of that plane so you can jump out at 12 or 15,000 feet or at, or at 1,000 feet. And life is the same way. And I do what I do because I understand intuitively and being brought up in the military and being raised in the military and becoming a man in the military, I know that you just can't do things by yourself. And if I can help people achieve the goals that they set for themselves, then I'm living my life to its full potential and I'm living my purpose every day. That's so beautiful, Robin. I love that. And the world desperately needs that. We need that leg up. We need that encouragement. We need, we need to be shown the way as well. So thank you for the work that you're doing. 
last here, here we are toward the end. Um, you know, the show is listened to, listened to by people all over the world, and it's really meant to be able to help them discover and access more meaning, purpose, and inspiration in, in their lives and their work. And we're trying to create a workplace where people actually want to come to. So, yeah. in about say, thirty seconds or less, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, I, I would I would ask you, what is it that you're working on that's closing the gap from where you are to where you want to be, and what is it that you can do to commit? and go a little bit harder, a little bit faster, and how can you expedite what it is that you're doing? Usually the answer to that question is turn off all of the distractions. Turn off the news, turn off your social media, and concentrate on you and concentrate on yourself. And when you do that, you'll find things start to accelerate and you'll start to achieve the things that you're looking for just by focusing inward on yourself just a little bit more. Oh, it's a great finish, Rob. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for being on the show with us and sharing us your heart, your soul, your wisdom, your experience. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Rob or his Go All In course, go to his website, which is goallin.com.au. And remember, you can use the, the WOP code to get 30% off the Elite Mastermind course if you want to take that. It's a gift for listening in today. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Elizabeth Lotardo talking about her book, Selling with Noble Purpose, How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud. Next week, we'll be on the air with Norman Wolf talking about his book, The Living Organization, Transforming Business to Create Extraordinary Results. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on a purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.